Welcome to Herb W. Morgan's Weekly Economic and Market Commentary, a podcast about markets, investing, politics, and profit. Each Monday, in less than 20 minutes, Wall Street portfolio manager Herb W. Morgan distills all the complex and complicated into the simple and sensical. Here's Herb. Good morning, everyone. It's Herb Morgan, Senior Managing Director, Chief Investment Officer here at Efficient Market Advisors. This is our weekly economic and market commentary, which is both a podcast and a, I guess, a webcast with slides. Uh, For the week beginning today, Monday, July 19th, 2021, Everything you're about to see and or hear is designed for use with both investors and financial advisors. Of course, each are expected to make their own investment decisions. Nothing contained in this presentation should be treated as investment advice. There are no recommendations for the purchase or sale of any securities. We'll go ahead and get started right now. We had a negative week in equities, bringing a July performance for the S&P 500 slightly negative for the month. Uh, but we saw, you know, bigger sell-off in small and mid-cap stocks. International markets participated. Didn't go down as much last week as, as you can see, the S&P 500 did. The one uh, trend bucker were emerging markets last week. Kind of had a nice rally, up almost 2%. Bonds rallied as the yield in the 10-year uh, continued to plummet on what I still believe is mostly technical short covering. Um, we're seeing this continue this morning in the bond market. We're down in the you know, well below 130 on the U.S. 10-year as we speak. And of course, as I record this, the Dow, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500 are all down about 1.5% uh, this morning in a continued sell-off from last Friday. But let's not get over, uh, over-focused on what's happening on a Monday morning opening. Let's get into some of the economic data and the, and the things we learned last week, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, their Small Business Optimism Index for June rose and it beat expectations considerably. Expectations at 99.5, it came in at 102.5. All the questions you'd hope to get answered in the positive were, they expect the economy to improve, to expand, and to improve hiring. Still though, well below the levels uh, prior to the global pandemic. On the bad news side last week, both PPI and CPI disappointed investors. Let's start with CPI. This is the whole argument the Fed is making that the, uh, the, the uptick in inflation due to year-over-year comparables and some other things is going to be transitory. The consensus of economists that report into Bloomberg was for a half a percent increase in the month of June. It was nearly double that at nine-tenths of a percent. And this is just Headline CPI up 5.4. Core CPI more than doubled the expectations. That's worrisome. Is up four and a half percent on a year-over-year basis. Still, when you dig through the data, the gains are in what we would consider very transitory items. So this is giving the Fed its due here on its positioning. Car prices, travel-related categories, you know, rental, car rentals, airfares, hotels, etc driving both this headline and core CPI year-over-year numbers to very significant levels. And that was followed through the following day with the PPI. PPI rose 1%, about 
not quite a double what was expected, but 7.3% on a year-over-year basis. Uh, core up 5.6 year-over-year. Uh, here, high commodity costs. Interestingly, though, I will tell you, in my view, is over the next 90 days, commodities are really going to take a hit and come down significantly. This was mostly driven by the supply chain issues. Labor shortages also pushed up costs, etc. Weekly claims for unemployment are continuing to trend in the right direction. We had 360,000 last week. You know my rule. If there's a three in front, that's a pretty good jobs market. If we're in the low threes, below 350, it's a really, really good market. So I'd say this is good. Uh, continuing claims also continue to fall. This is true. Still, we've heard, you know, prior weeks, you've heard me talk about job openings, uh, trouble getting people back to work, et cetera. That's still a very real, uh, very real issue. We had the twin regional manufacturing surveys last week for the month of July, both the Empire State, which you all know is New York, and the Philly Fed. New York State manufacturing went to 43. That is an all-time high. It has never been higher in the history of the survey, well above the estimate of 18. Uh, strongest orders for, uh, strongest orders, new orders and shipments in almost two decades there. So that suggests that the reopening is continuing to take hold despite things like the surge in the Delta variant uh, and some, some micro uh, closings in some areas uh, that we're seeing this week. Uh, at least as of this report, New York State manufacturing is on a tear. Philly Fed, very good, not quite as high. It fell a little bit to 21.9. That was actually below expectations. Orders and shipments remained elevated, but were down. Prices dropped, so a moderation in the rate of increase, suggesting more of that transitory approach. Inventories fell. Delivery times, though, continued to rise, along with inventories falling. Back that up with industrial production and capacity utilization. This is a national report coming out of the Federal Reserve. They say that industrial production rose a little less than expected, but strong, four-tenths of a percent. Uh, capacity utilization went to 75.4. This is not, these levels for capacity utilization are really not consistent with a whole lot of inflation, interestingly. Uh, you don't start seeing inflationary pressures uh, until capacity utilization starts getting up over 80. Still, they did say key inputs and labor were what really restrained output uh, last month. Probably one of the most consequential reports last week, in addition to uh, the inflation numbers on PPI and CPI, was the number on retail sales in June. June retail sales were expected to decline another three-tenths of a percent as stimulus check spending faded from uh, the report, but that's not what happened. They rose six-tenths of a percent, and I think the market was a bit surprised by that in a positive way. Um, we also saw a continued rotation into the services sector as things continued to open up during the summer. Of course, even though this report was last week and it was for the month of June, uh, as we move into this week and this Delta variant surge and the coronavirus cases uh, picking up aggressively over the weekend and into the last week suggests that this is less important to short-term market movement than it might have been 
last week. Moving on to business inventories, confidence by the nation's CEOs allowed them to continue to build inventory levels. They rose a half a percent on top of a very small gain in April. This was for May, so this would have nothing to do with currently, obviously, what's happening right at this moment, but uh, that's a good positive sign for economic growth, as you would expect. Okay, consumer sentiment from the University of Michigan fell a little bit. Uh, it was well below the 86.5 expectations. Uh, why Why did our respondents not continuing to feel better about things? Uh, number one reason they cited was inflation. Uh, they are very concerned about the prices they have to pay for goods, uh, for services, for travel, for leisure, for gasoline at the pump. Uh, but as I said, I do expect commodities to take a pretty hard fall here throughout the rest of the summer. And therefore, I expect that aspect of consumer sentiment to uh, improve. We also began earnings season last week. We've had 39 companies report, 34 beat, five did not. Average earnings surprise was about 23 or 24%. It's very early, but where we got the big, uh, big hits were in the financials. They always the first sector to report. And it was really quite impressive. Uh, you know, financials are not always the most important thing, but overall, overall, we saw 70% year-over-year growth. As I mentioned, the financials were strong, but it wasn't just net interest margins. Their top lines were grow had grown considerably. That's very favorable for, say, a longer-term trade and position in the financials. This week, we've got about 80 companies reporting. That's about 13% of market cap in the S&P. You got Coke, Johnson, Johnson, Netflix. As I mentioned, we've got a big sell-off this morning. The 10-year yield is down below 120. Uh, we've got the S&P now down about one and three quarters percent. I'm not sure how much people will want to be short or out ahead of the following week, next week, which is big tech, the week of 726. We expect great numbers there as we've had in recent quarters. Uh, the big issue and the thing we're looking for in these reports is whether or not this inflationary impact is going to have uh, a, a, a hit to be a hit to margins or not. And uh, on a monetary policy front, when will the upcoming moderation in monetary policy support start to impact the momentum in the stock market? Because at some point, whether it's six months, 12 months, 18 months, uh, monetary moderation will come in monetary policy, whether it's a taper or ultimately raising of rates, that has to come. And at some point that needs to be, start to be discounted into the markets. The other thing that's a little bit troubling to me, and I'm gonna show you a graph in the next slide, is that the recent highs in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ did not come with confirmation in breadth. In other words, we didn't see small cap stocks and we didn't see all of the sectors start to uh, get there. We didn't see equal weight S&P 500, which is a little lower capitalization. Uh, small caps have been essentially dead. The only sector that showed real leadership on these recent highs was real estate. And real estate makes up very little of the S&P 500. Apologize for the dark background. The orange line is the S&P 600. I want to show you that that all-time high there was well back in June where we had an all-time high in the S&P much later in July, and then the recent sell-off is much greater in the small cap names, suggesting perhaps that at least temporarily, uh, this rally may pause, we may, uh, we may go range-bound for a little while. Not, I'm just not feeling quite as 
immediately and aggressively bullish as I have really for the last 12 months. Uh, the other thing we're seeing here is, you know, we don't talk about the bond market as much as boring, right? But when you start getting real negative yields, this is the, you know, this is the yield on the 10-year treasury, which I look over at my other monitor here about 118 this morning, minus core CPI, you've got real yields down at minus 3%. We haven't seen real yields at minus 3% or more since the 1980 and then all the way back to 1974. This suggests to me this, this aggressive technical covering of these short, uh, short uh, positions in longer term uh, U.S. Treasuries. Uh, maybe if it has a little more to go, I don't know. Uh, I still think uh, as we get through this trade, we could see a 10-year at 2% before the end of the year. I'm uh, not as, uh, my conviction level is not as strong in that prediction as it was three or four months ago. Uh, but I think we get rid of, we, we get through that ultimately. And I think that 10 year yield rises. You cannot have negative real interest rates for very long. As you can see in the past, they got there briefly and shot way, way back up very quickly uh, uh, in past instances of that happening. Okay, this week, economic data. As I mentioned, we've got a lot of S&P 500 names reporting this week but I think the ones that are most impactful to market direction will be next week. We're gonna shake a few people out. A few of you may be even getting nervous watching the tape this morning, relax, uh, have a cup of coffee. And this week's data, National Association of Home Builders, housing starts, permits, jobless claims, existing home sales, to, to uh, manufacturing and the services from our kit. None of these seem to be majorly consequential. We do have a big ECB, European Central Bank meeting, on July 22nd. I expect that the ECB is going to make a move towards the transitory inflation target the way that the US has. In other words, pledging further and greater monetary policy support. Uh, they were like us in the past. When you started to see that you were moving towards your inflation goal, you started to pull um, policy support. I believe they're going to say, no, we want to see it be more uh, averaging above, uh, you know, kind of the way the U.S. is saying, the Federal Reserve is saying right now. So I expect that to happen this week. Uh, in terms of them doing anything about it, probably not. It's July. All of Europe is on holiday. They probably won't start implementation of that until September. But watch the ECB meeting uh, this week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Feel free, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Podchaser, Deezer, you name it. Slaying Bulls and Bears, a weekly economic and market commentary with yours truly, Herb Morgan. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Feel free to continue to follow me intraweek on Twitter at ETF underscore strategist or on LinkedIn, just Herb Morgan. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to download the slides for this week's podcast, please visit www.efficient-portfolios.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly commentary podcast in all the usual ways. And if you wouldn't mind, please rate us in iTunes and tell a friend.